Hi guys! Welcome to my lineage project. I hope you enjoyed my nice dramatic intro. This isn't going to be a very dramatic podcast, but I just thought it was a nice touch. You know, some contrast there. I feel like you guys can look deeper into that than I ever could. Alright, so how this is going to work is this is just going to be one big, like, annoyingly long podcast. Or maybe it won't be. I'm not too sure. But there are going to be moments where I ask you to look at the PowerPoint that will be uploaded along with this. Because I want you to put some pictures to my disembodied voice. So I recommend stopping now and opening that PowerPoint in another tab. Just so it's a smooth transition from here to there. Thank you. Alright, so let's get started. Although this is a podcast about my lineage through Carver, I don't think it would be right to talk about who I am coming out if I didn't talk about who I was coming in. So let's go back to the beginning, and I mean the very beginning, to the day of my birth. As cliche as it sounds, I like to believe that my birth cast a tone over the rest of my life. When a baby comes into this world, it's supposed to be crying and screaming, and it's probably the only time in your life that that is something worth celebrating. It means the baby is alive and well, and its lungs are working properly. However, I missed this moment of celebration. It was actually very important that I did not cry moments after I was born, because, as many of you know, and in typical Nadia fashion, I had pooped in my mom's stomach, and if I did cry, there was a chance that I could inhale my own feces. So I didn't, and they made sure that I did not. Not until I was cleaned by the nurses and given back to my mother was I allowed to cry. This was the very first instance in which my emotions depended on whether or not it was safe and appropriate. I've come to realize that throughout my life, I've done a similar thing with my emotions. For a long time, I didn't feel much at all until it felt like I should. My mother says that I was the quiet baby. I liked to smile and laugh and eat a lot and tug at weird things like my dad's elbow fat. But I didn't make much noise and I didn't cry a lot. She was very grateful for this after dealing with my second oldest brother, who was dubbed the monster child or baby monster. This quietness continued for a long time. I asked my mom what she can remember of me as a baby. And she says that I was never upset and I loved purses. Whenever she would put me in an outfit, I rushed to get a purse from her closet or mine that matched the color. I don't have that same appreciation for purses now, but I thought that was just a cute detail that I should share. In elementary school, I was also quiet. I didn't like to talk, not because I didn't like to speak, but because I didn't feel like there was much that I needed to say. When I did say things, it didn't feel that important to me, so I didn't say anything at all. It was around this time that I fell in love with books, because the kids in those fictional worlds were powerful and always had things to say, and people cared when they said them. I don't remember much of how I exactly was as a child, but all I know is I didn't remember feeling that many strong emotions, especially when I was supposed to. When I was eight, I remember sitting at my grandmother's funeral and I was terrified because everyone was asking me, are you okay? And telling me that she was in a better place. And I didn't like the fact that I was okay. I didn't feel anything, even though I knew I should be sad. And I looked at everyone crying around me, 
and I was I felt guilty. I was like, why don't I feel anything? And my life went like this for a few years. I kept not talking, I kept not feeling much, and I kept just going with emotions. And sometimes I wish I could return to this. I wish that I had some big revelation that led to me becoming a writer or something that got me started that would be a really cute story to tell. Something like, I don't know, I picked up a pencil and I never stopped or my mom read to me as a child or I just wanted to tell the world my special stories. But the truth is, I started to write out of childish jealousy and a grab for attention. I'm going to change the names for privacy's sake, but there was a girl named Lily that came to my school in fourth grade and she would become my best friend for many years. But I actually didn't start liking Lily until after a few weeks of her being there. When she first came, she told everyone that she had grown up in Europe, in Spain and France and London, and everyone believed her And I was the only one who thought it was questionable that she grew up in all these foreign places and had no accent at all. Everyone was in love with Lily. She was pretty and she was so cool because she was foreign. And I was so angry because no one else could see that she was making all of this up. So one day, I turned to one of my closer friends and I said, you know she's lying, right? She's a liar. She's been making this up the whole time and I know it. And it spread like wildfire. People didn't know that I was the one who started this. But after a few days, everyone was talking about Lily. And I know that it was kind of bad, but I felt really good because it was the first time that I had said something and everyone was talking about it. This clearly caused some problems between Lily and I when she realized that I was the one who had spread this. In fact, one day, as I was rushing down the hallway, Lily stuck out her foot and I tripped and I flew like an unbe- like I flew an unbelievable distance down the hallway. Like it feels like a movie scene. I remember it so clearly and everyone saw it and it hurt and I was embarrassed and I was angry. I actually don't remember what happened after that, but there had to have been some kind of conversation or understanding because a few weeks later, we became inseparable. We did everything together. One of our favorite activities besides playing The Sims or going on fake adventures in my backyard was actually what I now know to be a workshop. I loved to read and Lily liked to write. So I would read her work and I would give her critiques. I still remember the great debate that started when I told her that if you give a character a goatee, it makes them evil. Other people read Lily's books too. She would pass it around class and I remember the last few pages in the notebook would always have a comment section. And people would write, can't wait for the next chapter, can't wait for the next book in the series, even though there was only 12 pages in the first book. And everyone loved them. And I was jealous. I wanted to be known for my writing too, even though I didn't even write at the time. I was tired of being the quiet one, the one that was good at math. So I started my own stories. I still have the journals and they're very embarrassing to read. I might insert some pictures in the PowerPoint. But there were often about fairies or witches, and there was always some weird kidnapping or like adoption story involved. And none of them were finished. It always took me twice as long to write them as it took for Lily, because I knew my heart wasn't in it, and I was only writing it to get fame. It didn't work, and I ended up not sharing them with anyone because I was embarrassed, and I knew that Lily's were better. So that's the story of when I began to write. 
But after I had bandaged those initial projects, I didn't write much at all. Alright guys, before we get into the middle school years, I want you to take this opportunity to go look at the PowerPoint and look at some really cute pictures of baby Nadia and listen to some really terrible readings of my elementary school stories. I hope you enjoy and don't forget to comment in the discussion what your favorite baby picture of me was and a memory of yourself from elementary school. How were you? Was this when you began to write? Did you hate writing? I'm really curious to know. Thank you. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those pictures and don't forget to comment in the discussion because I want this to be at least a little bit interactive. It's already awkward enough to know that you guys are just listening to me ramble. Like that's weird, especially because I can't see you. So yeah, don't just this comment in the discussion after or during this. It doesn't really matter to me. All right, so now let's start with the middle school years. I'm going to be honest, I didn't really write in middle school. And I didn't have that tough of a time. I know middle school is supposed to be some kind of hell where you don't know yourself and you don't know anyone around you and it's just miserable and you're emo and you listen to all these bands and you shop at Hot Topic. And I didn't have that experience, although I wanted to shop at Hot Topic, but my mom said no because the store was dark, like they didn't have the lights on or something, so she never let me go in. But that's another story. (laughs) So middle school wasn't that bad for me. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I had friends. I fit in. And I felt included. And I still was not writing. And I know for a lot of you, middle school was a time where you began to write. And it was a time where you began to find haven in your words. But the only thing creatively that I can remember writing was a short story in the sixth grade And it was an extension of that story about the girl who lived on a planet where it always rained. And she really wanted to see the sun. And then when the sun was going to come out, the other kids locked her in a closet and she missed it. And I remember our assignment was to write the end of that story. So I wrote about a planet where it was the opposite. It was always sunny and it never rains. And there was all kind of problems and the earth was all cracked. And it would only rain again if she said it could. And she never said that because she was mad at the world for um, missing the sun and I was really proud of it I spent a lot of time on it and I turned it into my teacher and then the year ended and she never graded it and she never gave it back to me and I was really sad like I was so proud of it and I really thought that she was going to love it but I don't think she ever read it and that's the only thing I can actually remember writing in middle school and I know I just said that middle school was a really happy time for me but in hindsight there were a lot of bad things that happened that I just didn't react properly to. My home life wasn't that good. My parents argued a lot, but I was kind of used to it at this point, and it didn't really phase me. Like, I was pretty numb, like I had been as a baby and as a, long, and as a young child in elementary school. I didn't have that many emotions, and I don't think I reacted appropriately to a lot of stuff. I don't remember crying much, except when I was listening to sad songs and taking showers in the dark because I wanted to feel sad. But other than that, I never like had organic emotions. I never reacted to stuff because I was just sad. I had to make myself sad. And I also remember in middle school that I was very insecure. This was when I kind of noticed how I looked in comparison to other people. And I didn't like it. I was really embarrassed almost to just be walking around. I felt like 
I just felt disgusted with myself. So it kind of showed in a lot of my mannerisms. I was scared to step out. I was scared to say a lot of things. I was scared to be bold. Like I wanted to be in my head because I just felt like, I don't know, ugly girls don't deserve rights. That's just, <laughs> that's just how I was thinking in my head. And it's not true. Although I still am pretty insecure. It's not as bad as it was in middle school. And I don't know. There were just a lot of colorist ideas in my head. I didn't like my hair. I didn't. There's, I just didn't like a lot of stuff. But I kind of outgrew that a little bit as I got older. And I just feel like it's a rite of passage. Like, you go through a time where you just realize that your appearance is more important than you used to think it was. And, yeah, you guys know how it goes. So towards the end of middle school is when we were applying for high schools. And I applied to two magnet schools. There was Western Tech, which was the really STEM-oriented and math one and academics. And everyone thought I was going to go there. I was really serious about my academics in middle school because I realized that good grades were the only way that I was seen in my household. Like, no one really cared what I did or when I did it, but if I brought a report card with all A's, for a moment in time, everyone was paying attention to me. And I loved that feeling. I just liked knowing that I had done something that they thought was important. So it was always my goal to do well in school. I loved just feeling, for once in my life, like I was important and I was doing something that other people had trouble doing. So when it came time for middle school, everyone just assumed I would go to Western Tech. That was where the academic kids went and the creative art kids went to Carver. But I applied to Carver because I knew that I couldn't just have one option. I wanted to explore. And quite frankly, my parents really wanted me to go to Western to be in their health program because they were so sure that I would be a doctor. And I hated that idea. Ironically enough, I did not want to do anything with medicine when I was in middle school because I knew that that was what my parents wanted me to do. And I didn't like the idea of someone having a say in my future. So I applied to Carver for literary arts, not because I remembered all the stories I wrote in elementary school or that one I wrote in the sixth grade. I applied because literary seems like the only thing that I could do. I knew I didn't have any visual artistic skills. I couldn't dance, I couldn't sing, I couldn't act, I couldn't cook. But in my head at the time, literally felt like the easiest way to get in. I was completely wrong, of course, but that was just my thinking when I was applying to Carver. So when I got into both, I chose Carver and everyone was so surprised. My dad actually didn't know that I was going to Carver until like the end of my freshman year, beginning of sophomore year, when he had to pick me up from a practice one day. And he's like, oh wait, this is not Western Tech. So I came to Carver knowing that writing was not my passion, knowing that I probably didn't even want to be a writer, but I was excited for how it would grow while I was there. Hey guys, this is the second time I'm going to ask you to go to that PowerPoint and look at some really cringy pictures of me in middle school so you can put some images to the story I just told you. Claire might be in some of them, so I'm sorry Claire in advance, but it had to be done. And also, comment in the discussion one thing that you wrote in middle school that you were proud of, if there were any at all, because I know I didn't really write, but if you guys did, I'm curious to know. And if it doesn't apply to you, you can just comment a middle school memory that you enjoy, because there had to have been at least one. I hope so. All right, don't forget to come back here when you're done. Honestly, the last 15 minutes of this podcast have just been me trying to get the guts to say 
that I did not come into Carver a writer, and I don't think I'm leaving as a writer either. I remember walking in on the first day when there was that picture on the board and she said to write something about it. And we were going to guess who everyone was based on what they wrote. And I struggled so hard. I peeked a little bit on Sunshine's screen to see what kind of ideas they were conjuring up. And even then, I did not know what to write. So I ended up with something short and sweet, but somehow you guys still managed to match it to me. So maybe you guys also knew that I was a fraud and I was not supposed to be a carver for literary. There were a lot of times freshman year when I just felt very uncomfortable, like I didn't fit in in the way that I was supposed to. When we would sit in the soft space and cry together, which happened so many times in the beginning of freshman year, like a weird amount, I almost felt like every class we were crying and I was so uncomfortable. Like I said before, I did not know what organic emotions felt like. If I did cry, I cried because everyone around me was crying, and I don't like the feeling of sadness surrounding me. But I never felt compelled to cry just on my own because something made me sad. And it was just very uncomfortable. I felt like I didn't have these same writerly emotions that I would pour my words into. I didn't have these same personal, heartfelt stories and poems. Nothing felt right. I actually remember the first short story I wrote was during the iceberg unit. And I wrote it about a family with a mother who kidnapped a girl and made her a doll almost. She had very doll-like qualities. She wasn't human at all. And at the time I thought I was the next Hemingway. I thought I had cracked the code. But my writing was not icebergy. It was just bare and cold. And it didn't make sense. There wasn't any substance to it. And no one calls me out on it, except for Troy. I remember that workshop and Troy was like, what does this even mean? Like, what was the point to this story? And it hurt me so bad. I was like, we were supposed to be nice to each other during these workshops. Troy, I know you're listening to this. That kind of hurt, but you were absolutely right. There was no substance to my writing. There wasn't anything. I wrote because there was an assignment and I didn't really feel what I was writing. And this continued for a while. I did the assignments because I needed to get the good grade because I was still so fixated on being the best academically. And I never really got to appreciate writing for what it was. I soaked everything in. I soaked the passion of my classmates in, but I can never seem to feel the same way. That was until I got my heart broken for the first time by my friend Lily, once again. It was in the winter of our freshman year and she stopped being friends with me because we were very different people. But I thought that we had always been very different people, so I didn't really understand what did it this time. But it hurt me a lot. And I think that was the first time I actually cried on my own. There was no music, there was no TV show, no YA novel, no Wattpad story, no other people crying around me. I sat in my room and I cried because I was sad. And it felt really good. I. L- <laughs> It's weird to say, but I love crying now. That unlocked something in me, and I just love the feeling of crying. That old feeling in my stomach, like something was pulling me down. Almost like when your parents told you that if you ate a watermelon seed, it would grow a watermelon in your stomach. That I was so used to feeling whenever there was any time that I should have felt an emotion. That when I cried, and when I cried, that went away almost. It was like the crying was drawing it out of me and I loved it. It felt so good. 
So I yearned to cry again. I really liked to cry at that time. There wasn't many other instances where I did cry that naturally, where I had that outpouring of emotions. And I hoped that I would be able to do that in my writing. I tried, but it didn't work. There was never a time where I could just write freely and get my emotions on the page. I was always thinking that this doesn't sound right, and this doesn't feel right, and this isn't good, and no one's going to like this, and I would end up deleting everything. And I never wrote naturally. It was so mechanical for me, and every piece was just an assignment and nothing, and it wasn't like a baby to me, like it was supposed to be. And I didn't actually like any of the things that I was writing. I remember turning in assignments, knowing that they weren't good, that I did them the night before, and coming to workshop and hearing all the praises and thinking, they just pulled this out of their butt. Like, this doesn't make any sense. The story had no meaning to it, and it wasn't good. I don't know where these praises are coming from. But there was one time that I wrote something that I really, really liked. I didn't like to talk about the Black experience in freshman year because I knew that I couldn't write with as much passion as Judah or with as much heart as Autumn. Autumn's not Black, but Autumn just writes with a lot of emotion. And I just knew that I wasn't as connected to my writing as I wanted to be and it wouldn't come out right. But there was one piece that I wrote about being Black and I was very happy with it. And it was something that you guys would know as the garlic bread piece. And I remember turning it in and feeling really good And we got to workshop and we talked about garlic bread for 45 minutes. (laughs) And at the time, I went along with it. It was funny to me, like, yeah, garlic bread, lol, you guys must like it. And it wasn't until I got home and I reread the piece that I felt really bad because I put my heart into something and everyone cared about the garlic bread. And I never did that again for a long time. I knew not to put that much emotion into my pieces And I knew not to turn in things that I really liked because I was worried that it would be misunderstood. And this started to happen more frequently as I spent more time at Carver. I remember the summer going into my sophomore years when I volunteered at the hospital and I fell in love with medicine and health and with people. I loved being around the patients. I loved talking to them. I loved feeling their emotions. Even if I couldn't conjure up my own, I loved to feel other people's. And so sophomore year, I was excited to come to Carver. I was excited to write. I thought this might be the year that I fall in love with writing like everyone else. This might be the year where I'm no longer an imposter. So I went into Mr. Please Fiction class and I was ready to start the assignments. And I remember the first thing we wrote, I wrote it about a really creepy guy who was stalking and ended up harassing this woman and killing her husband. And I liked it. I thought it was good. And we get to workshop and it was critiqued as a humor piece. And I was just like, oh, no. And I was too embarrassed to say that this was not a humor piece and it wasn't meant to be funny. So I went with it. And I remember Miss Suplee pulled me to the side and she said, Nadia, you have a gift. You're really good at writing with humor. Not many people can do that. And I was like, oh, thank you. And so I became a humor writer. I started introducing playful metaphors and similes and images that I knew that would make people laugh into all my pieces, no matter what the subject was. Because when I wrote humor, people liked it. And when I wrote about things seriously, no one took it seriously. So I stopped. But eventually, I grew really sick of that. I hated hearing about all the humor in my piece during workshops. It didn't feel right, it didn't feel real, and I absolutely dreaded it. So it was actually English class when we had a research paper to write. 
And I wrote it on child soldiers, because I'd always been interested in the wars that happened in Africa and the wars that happened in Sierra Leone. And I loved the topic so much. I spent hours researching, not for the paper, just because I thought it was interesting. So when we had to write a piece, I wrote about child soldiers. And I wrote about child soldiers in Sierra Leone, although I didn't name it in the piece. And I really loved it. And I turned it in. And Mr. Please said to me, wow, Nadia, it's so refreshing to see you write about something this serious. I knew you could do it. And it felt really good to know that for the first time in Carver, I'd written a serious piece and it was taken seriously. I was really happy about that. And then sophomore year ended and I entered the worst summer of my life. The court had told me that I had to live with my dad to uphold the divorce agreements. And so I lived with my dad for most of the summer and it was absolutely terrible. And I think during that summer is when my emotions were unlocked. I cried almost every day and I felt that weight in my stomach again. But this time the crying didn't bring the weight out. It solidified it. But after that summer, I came into school a very emotional person. And in a sense, maybe that was good. I had finally learned how to express myself and how to release my emotions. Although sometimes it was still hard for me to put it on paper and to say it out loud. But I knew that I was feeling something now. But junior year was kind of a blur in literary for me. I didn't write much because I wasn't told to write, and I had never been one to write on my own time. I loved the projects we did in lit forms. They were weird, they were unconventional, but they were interesting, and it wasn't writing, so I didn't have that much of a problem with it. But junior year was also my toughest academically. I knew that this was when I needed to have my grades be the best they could. I needed to have high test scores. I needed to do a lot of extracurriculars because this is the year that colleges cared about. And I was still very much fixated on my academics because it was still the only thing that was getting recognition at home. And I loved it, I loved feeling good. And it got to a point where if I didn't perform well, it made me nervous. It made me, I couldn't stop thinking about it until I got the grade up. And so junior year went by really fast and I was so focused on academics that I had lost touch with my writing. So when it came time to write the thesis, I was not prepared at all. This was when the writing had to mean something to you too. It wasn't just an assignment, it was a book, a book that you were gonna publish, a book that was going to be a culmination of all your time at Carver. And I was absolutely terrified because I had still gone through these three years posing as a writer. I was not a writer, I wrote for school, not for myself. And I thought that maybe that summer would change it. It didn't, I didn't write it all over the summer. And I knew that I was supposed to come in with the first 30 pages, but someone had told me that they don't actually check it. So I didn't write it. That was a big mistake. Because when I tried to rush those 30 pages before the first check-in, nothing was coming out right. I didn't like the way the words felt coming out of my fingertips. I didn't like the way they looked on the screen. Everything just felt wrong. And I didn't know what to do. And that happened for a few months. Up until November, I was writing things that I didn't like. I was writing things for the assignment. But this time, it felt wrong turning it in. Because I knew that this was supposed to be a representation of me. Everything else had been, but this was different. This was my passion project, and it wasn't working out the way I wanted it to. Just when people had begun to take my writing seriously, I fell out of touch. And then I decided to change it. When I first got my idea for my new thesis, which is the nonfiction one, I wrote the entire introduction and first essay in one sitting. And for the first time in a very long time, the words came naturally to me. And I loved it. I loved feeling like that. So I thought that I had hit the jackpot that this was it, this was my thesis. 
But soon enough, that same familiar feeling came back with the watermelon in my stomach. Every time I would try to write, something was holding me back, and I knew that it wasn't correct. It didn't feel right. And I still feel like that now. My thesis isn't done. I want it to be done because I paid for a cover, and I told everyone that it would be done. But I still don't know if my heart is really in writing. So at the end of my Carver journey, I'm still where I started. I don't know if I'm a writer. I don't think I ever will be. But I'm glad that I learned something from Carver. It was at Carver that I learned how to feel again. It was at Carver that I learned how to be honest with my words. It was at Carver that I learned that talking was okay. Literary taught me a lot of things. And although I may not come out identifying myself as a writer, I'm eternally grateful for everything that I learned during my time here. Thank you to all my friends and to my teachers that helped me and inspired me and motivated me when I couldn't do it myself. Thank you for always believing in me and telling me that I have something special. Maybe that just hasn't been tapped into yet, or maybe I still can't see it myself. But I will leave Carver knowing that I've grown as a person, and although my growth as a writer has been challenging, and I don't know if it actually amounts to everything, Carver has helped me, and that is undeniable. Thank you guys for listening to my podcast i hope you enjoyed this or at least learned something about me from it and i hope you enjoyed all the pictures and make sure you comment in the discussion for my final question i want you to say one word that describes who you were coming into carver and who you were coming out and then do that same thing with who you were as a writer coming into carver and who you were coming out thank you i hope you guys have a great quarantine and live your absolute best life I hope you liked the dramatic outro music. It's really like my little touch. <laughs>